Welcome to the Manuscript Academy podcast, brought to you by a writer and an agent who both believe that education is key. The beauty is the people you meet along the way, and that community makes all the difference. Here at the Manuscript Academy, you can learn the skills, make the connections, and have access to experts all from home. I'm Julie Kingsley. And I'm Jessica Sinsheimer. Put down your pens, pause your word counts, and enjoy. Hey, everyone. This is a very special episode, and I'm so happy you're here. Samantha Wexteen used to work for us, and she was just the most delightful human being. I wanted to add a personal note at the beginning. This is the first time using this microphone and in a new space, and... Uh, I actually, I used the wrong setting because the correct one looked like a figure eight. I chose the one that looked like an infinity symbol. These things happen. Anyway, don't panic. We are not going to be echoey from now on and we've edited the best that we can. But Samantha said so many amazing things. There was no way we were going to ask her to re-record. So sit back, relax, enjoy. And I hope you find this as educational and enjoyable as we did. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. This is the very first podcast we're recording from Manuscript Academy headquarters. I am joined by the lovely and talented Samantha Wexstein from Writer's House. Thank you for having me. We are so happy to have you. Now, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got started in publishing? Okay. um, Well, I started my career thinking I wanted to be a lawyer, um, but I thought about how what I really wanted to do was read books for the rest of my life. And, um, partway through college, I made the decision to change tracks. Um, and so I had a couple of publishing internships, one actually with Jessica. Yeah. Um, she was great way, way back in 2011. Then I had trouble finding a job after college. And so I applied for one last internship at writer's house and I got it. And on my second day, my supervisor was diagnosed with tuberculosis and had to be quarantined. Um, And so I was actually asked to step into his shoes, which... um, Terrifying for your second day? (laughs) No, I was was actually... I was so ready. Like, I just needed an opportunity to get my foot in the door. Um, I mean, yeah, it was a little scary. um, And I felt... I felt really bad for him, (laughs) but he's okay now. He's great. He, he came back to writer's house after that worked there for a few more years and then decided to move to Chicago to start a family. So Chicago's wonderful. He's doing great. Okay. Um, but it was just like the opportunity that I needed. Um, and so I interned at writer's house and then he got better and came back. So I then left and worked at another agency, um, it's, it was the agency group, which now has morphed into UTA. Um, and then I an opportunity opened up uh, with Amy Burkauer uh, at Writer's House. So I went back and then I made my way down to working with Al Zuckerman, um, who's my boss now. And uh, then I was promoted to junior agent. Congratulations. Um, yeah, thank you. Um, so now I can work on my own projects, which is really exciting. Awesome. So I'm going to open this gin. <laughs> Isn't that a great sound? It is pork with a ribbon on it. Jessica and I both love gin. There's a certain story about that, if you'd like to tell it. I tried to tell my mom, and my mom's like, okay. (laughs) Um, Well, when I interned for Jessica, someone had sent her this beautiful blue bottle of gin, and it sat on the desk between us all day as we worked. And at around 5 p.m., she looked over at me, and she said, are you 21? <laughs> I had to keep it legal. 
was. I had just turned 21 that year. Um, and so we went into the kitchen and shared a delicious gin and tonic uh, and bonded a little bit. So I will if, always remember that. <laughs> if I remember correctly, you said that unbeknownst to me, you were realizing gin was your beverage. Yes. Yes. Um, at that point, I hadn't really had a lot of gin. You know, gin isn't really like a college drink. Have you noticed that like half of publishing prefers gin and tonics? What is that? <laughs> I think it's just like, it's, it's classic. I guess so. And you can order it everywhere. That's true. Everyone knows how to make it. Yes. They screwed up. You asked for more gin or more tonic. So you were telling me about something really amazing that you did before working in publishing that everyone I think will enjoy very much. <laughs> um, well... When I graduated college, I decided to write a musical. Um, so it's a, a 90s Nickelodeon cartoon parody musical called yes. Lost in Nick. Um, and it was actually put up at my university. Um, so that was cool. That was like one of the most exciting things I've ever done. So yeah, it's, it's really exciting to see something that you've created, like sent out into the world and have yeah. other people interpret it and perform it. Um it was really hard that I, I, it was put on in Maryland and I was in New York at the time. So it was really hard to like not be the director and not be like to basically say, you know, I wrote this thing and now you have to apply your vision to it Mm -hmm. um, and see other people. do. So that was, that was really hard, but it was, it was really exciting too and really fun. And I, I love musical theater. Yeah. Um, And why are there so many of us? (laughs) Because it's awesome. Yeah. And here we ask Samantha to go through her query pile, choose queries at random, and tell us her impressions of what those writers have created. All right. So my first query is, I think, adult fantasy. But you're not sure. But I'm not sure because the author never states what the genre is in the letter. I have a word count, which is extremely long. Um, How long is it? it? It's not really long for adult fantasy, but it, it's pretty long. It's 125,000 words, okay. um, which for a debut is long. Um, and because I don't really know the genre, it's hard for me to figure out if that's appropriate. Um, the other thing is that, you know, it's set in a world that isn't our own and it doesn't establish the rules of that world. Um, there's gods, there's humans. Um, I don't really know what each of these groups of people or beings want, um, or how they're related to each other. Are they living in the same place? Um, so I think that when it comes to fantasy, establishing the world and the parameters of the world, and then how the main character is going to move through that world is really important, even in just a short letter. Um, because if I don't understand your world, I'm not going to understand what your character wants to achieve within the parameters of that world. So this would be a pass for me. The, the basic rules for query letter are introduce the character, introduce the setting. If it has elements that don't belong in our world, define what those are for us and then uh, introduce their goal and what they're hoping to achieve and the obstacles that stand in their way. And that is true not only for fantasy, but literally for every story, query letter, Overall, you have to establish character, setting, motivation, and obstacles. Ready? Next yes. One. <laughs> Next one. So this letter um, sort of explains the inspiration for why the story is written. Um, it's uh, based on folk tales that the author sort of wove together into one big adult story. 
but it fails to tell me what that story is about. Um, I, there's a chapter attached. So, uh, if I were interested, um, I would probably look at that, but you know, if you can't really formulate a summary of your story, then I would hazard a guess that your first pages are also confusing. Um, so this would be a pass for me. Okay. So query three is a YA sci-fi own voices, um, which is something I'm looking for. Um, so I was intrigued right away. Um, and the intro starts out really strong, but then gets bogged down in a lot of details. It fills me in on the story has this, the story has this, but I don't have a lot of context for how that applies to the plot. So I think those details should probably come more organically. Um, and then I found the plot a little bit confusing. Um, it has aliens in it, which I find a hard sell. Um, and it just, it was very complicated. Um, and the author bio was in the first paragraph, which uh, I, I mean, that wouldn't automatically make me pass on something, but I would recommend leaving it at the end so that um, once I'm already interested in your plot, then I get to know you a little bit instead of bogging down the beginning of your letter with extraneous details. Um, so this one would be a pass for me. I like to see that an author knows how to A, follow directions, and B, it's also nice when, um, you know, what I'm looking for is easy to find in a letter. So knowing that the author bio is at the end or knowing that the intro is going to tell me the genre and the word count, uh, that's something that I'm looking for. I also, I mean, I know some agents recommend that you just jump right into the plot summary, which is fine. I don't mind that, but I, I do prefer to know what I'm getting into and why you're sending it to me. So I like to know in the first paragraph, the, um, why you're sending it to me and what you think is amazing about your story. Um, I think it's important to use that beginning to pitch yourself because this is your one shot. And I want to know what you think is wonderful about your book. Um, so this is like where you can use words like swoony, thrilling, you know, what you find exciting about it. Um, and then, and then yes, you should have a plot summary right, right there, right after. <laughs> um, and then I do like to, to end on a bio. Um, I, I think the order of this can change a little bit, but I, I do think that ending with a bio is important because when we make the decision to take on a client, we're not just taking on your writing, we're taking on you. And we like to get to know your personality and know that, you know, you're someone who can talk about yourself, know that you're someone who has something interesting to say. Um, and we want to work with you for your whole career. So it's good to get a small taste of that. And to show that you've done enough research that you know standard format. Yeah. Like following directions is really important. Like <laughs> we want someone who we can give, you know, an editorial letter to and know that it's going to be applied or someone that knows how to write a summary because, um, you might not think it's that important to be able to write a synopsis, but you know, sometimes we sell things with just three chapters and a synopsis and the ability of an author to write that is important. It's also a degree of professionalism. If we see you've invested time already, we know that you're willing to work hard and do what we ask. Right. Exactly. Someone called today and said, hey, so should a query letter be four pages? <laughs> and so I suggested a few things to Google to learn some more. Yeah. You know, I go back to my call on the other line. Um, and then a minute later, the phone rings again. So should it be 12 point font? Like, it's single or double space. Literally... <laughs> It just shows someone who's not savvy 
when that happens. Like if you just Google how to write a query letter, then you will find thousands of resources. If you Google my name, you will find conversations that I've had online about writing query letters. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, but there's so many resources out there. I love Publishing Crawl. I love um, Susan Denard's website, D-E-N-N-A-R-D. She is uh, author of Truth Witch, which is the New York Times bestseller. um, And she's an author I admire. And she devotes so, so, so much time to writing advice. Um, And she has a whole section on her website about query letters. Um, But so many authors uh, will post their query letter and give advice. Um, There's Query Shark, I think. Um, Anyway, it shows that you have know-how. Mm-hmm. when you do the work yourself instead of relying on someone else. Help us help you. Yeah. Yeah. We want to work with someone who's going to be on Twitter, who's going to be self-promoting, who knows how to use the internet, who's going to be able to set up a website, who knows how to use Google and, we'll can, do, halfway. and can do research. You know, so showing that you have done the work says a lot. Okay. Query four. This is another query that has a world-building issue. It's an adult fantasy. Um, but the person tried to convince me that it takes a, a YA story that sort of adapts it for adults because they know that I love YA. I also like adult fantasy, so you don't need to do that. Um, but it's this, uh, story that sort of compares like our reality and being entrenched in a real world versus like a magical world, but it doesn't necessarily, it, clearly define how the magical world is different and what the characters are hoping to achieve. It's sort of, I guess the magical world gets thrust upon them and they don't understand what's happening to them. But then I need to understand how that affects their life and, and how that affects their goals. Um, so this would be a pass. Do you think that a lot of people try to cram their work into YA when it doesn't need to be? Absolutely. I think a lot of people think YA is super commercial and selling a lot. I don't necessarily know that it's selling any more than adult. Um, It won't work to do that. (laughs) Um, We can tell when something isn't the right genre, uh, especially if we start reading your sample, um, because it's really easy to tell based on the voice uh, if something is appropriate for a certain genre. Um, If the voice sounds really young, the age of the character, these are dead giveaways. Um, And why a voice is one of the hardest voices to get right. Yeah. Um, So you really have to know the age that you're writing for. And, and essentially like they're pretty well defined. Like if your character is, you know, middle school age, it's middle grade. And if your character is in high school, then it's YA and, and anything beyond that is either new adult or adult. Um, and so, you know, if your character is 25, but you're pitching it as YA, that's not going to fly. I can feel the audience, some of our audience raising their hands mentally and saying, but new adult, is it real? New adult is real, but I don't think it's what people wanted it to be. I think that when people first started out, they wanted it to be this bridging the gap genre, but it became more of like a romance digital only for college age and early adulthood characters. Um, And they don't really publish it or support it in a big way because, um, at publishers, the imprints are set up to 
be very specific about what they do. So if you work at a children's publisher, you publish children's books. And if you work at an adult publisher, you publish adult books. Um, and there's no one really equipped to handle the in-between. There aren't new adult imprints set up. So you have to find an editor willing to do the crossover, but the marketing team and the sales team, um, they don't really know how to promote it uh, and to place it out in the market and find their audience. Um, I hope that that's something that changes in the future. I think that college age stories, early 20s age people uh, are represented in stories more. That's a genre that I'm interested in reading. Mm -hmm. And the first project that I sold was New Adult. Um, And luckily that author is Australian and the Australian publisher was very excited about her. Um, And so they did an imprint and and did a bigger push. But... um, I just think it's it's a very hard sell. I'm not saying I wouldn't do it, but I also don't think it's like character is X age, therefore this is new adult. It has to be sort of that like romance genre. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of one of those cases of we've done it this way, therefore it's the only way it can be done. Right. And until they actually form an imprint that exclusively does that genre and does it with more variety uh, and more support, I don't think it'll be successful. Well, there's Wednesday books. Yes. They, I think, think of it more as crossover YA than new adults. Right. And they're doing, um, a lot of romance stuff too. Um, there are some series that, that do it. Sarah J Moss, uh, she's, you know, she's a Bloomsbury and, the, and Bloomsbury children's, um, and her books, you know, the character's 18 when she starts, but, um, those books are very graphic and they become uh, very adult quickly. And so they're somewhere in that new adult space, but I don't think people label them as new adult. Uh, they could either, they're sort of like YA adult crossover fantasy, as opposed to being like new adult as the category. Query five is a middle grade historical fiction. Um, and I am on the fence about this one. Um, I think that the story is really interesting and the character motivation is really clear. The character is set on a journey. It has a lot of my, the things that push my buttons. It's, you know, a quest, a fountain family, feminist. Um, and however, there are two red flags for me in this. Um, one, the character is 10 years old, mm-hmm. um, which feels too young for middle grade. Um, 10 is the age of someone in elementary school, uh, not in middle school. And that's usually how I judge it. Um, but that wouldn't make me reject it out of hand because sometimes you can change the age of a character, um, easily. Um, but the other thing that is, is making me doubt this is that it's also 27,000 words, Mm -hmm. which is also in my opinion, too short. Um, so it's lower middle grade. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't really know that space as well. I don't feel confident selling into it. I, don't know how much of a market there is for historical fiction or middle grade. I don't know. Um, so I would probably pass, but I might take a look at the sample pages before making that decision. So if it was a matter of find or place for the age, change a few details and make it longer, is that something you'd consider? Yes. Which is why I'd look at the sample pages to see if the writing is good. And a bunch of writers just went, yay. So this is... Query six is an adult historical fiction. Um, 
set in a time period that I think has been done a lot, which, uh, immediately made me think, well, what's different about this? It also details a political struggle that, uh, a fictional political struggle, not a real one that I don't necessarily fully understand. So I think that, um, had the political struggle been clearer, I would have been able to understand what the character was hoping to achieve. Um, but overall I was confused. So this would be a pass for me. Also, I think that a lot of the time with complicated stuff like politics, we're reading so fast that if we don't get it right away, we're going to be like, well, I don't get it. Go find an agent who does. Right. Simplify it for us. Character A wants to achieve this. Character B wants to achieve this. But given the political climate of X, Y, Z, they cannot. Too bad they're all going <laughs> to die. It, it all goes into world building again, where, you know, if there's some sort of political element to your world, it's a kingdom, it's, uh, you know, whatever it may be, you have to establish each party's goals, motivations, and then your character can move through that world. Um, so query seven I'm not really sure if this is a query or sample pages because uh-huh. it's just starts out. It's labeled as a query, but it just starts out speaking in the voice of the character and it doesn't have any sort of pitch to it. And it doesn't have an author bio and it isn't formatted. It's formatted almost like the first two pages of manuscript. But then I see that there are more pages included further down. That's a lot of pages. So, yeah. Uh, so first of all, follow query guidelines. I ask for the query in the body of the email, the pages as an attachment. (laughs) So don't put the pages in the body of the email. I do this for a specific reason because it's hard for me to stay in my email when I'm constantly opening other emails to send. And I often lose my place in a query. So I like to have it in a, in word in a separate program. Um, and I also really struggle connecting with queries that are written in the voice of the character. It feels really gimmicky. Um, and I'm not sure that this letter is actually doing that if these are pages or it's in the voice of the character. So this would be a pass for me. I don't want to be confused when I'm reading your letter at all. <laughs> all right. Query eight is um, a submission from DB Pit. It's something that caught my eye on Twitter that I liked. Um, and so it's also a diverse submission, which is something I'm looking for. It's a middle grade fantasy. Um, and it has it's really well written and it has a very clear sense of character and what he's trying to achieve. Um, my one hesitation is that, um, it seems like it's set in a fantasy world, but then something from our world is mentioned that makes, made me go, Oh wait, is this a thing that would be in a fantasy world? Um, That being said, I think I would still request because I'm intrigued by the concept. It's well-written. It's exactly the genre and type of author and voice that I'm looking for. Um, So this would be a request for me. Let us know if you end up representing that. You heard it here first. I will. (laughs) I will. Um, I'd love to find some more middle grade. I've been doing, you know, a lot of of YA, um, which I adore, but branching out. Mm -hmm. Query number eight is 
one where the genre is a little bit unclear. Um, the author says that it's like a YA new adult, but it's a fantasy. Um, you've had so much fantasy in these. Well, I love fantasy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so you prefer fantasy over real world? I think that I gravitate towards fantasy more, but, um, I love anything in YA or middle grade. Um, I'm a lot pickier when it comes to adult. I like really commercial genre fiction. Um, but with YA, I, I am not quite so specific. I definitely have preferences though. Like I prefer fantasy. I'm not as big of a fan as paranormal. I'm not huge on aliens. Um, but I don't mind sci-fi. Um, but yeah, I'm not terribly specific. <laughs> That's good. An yeah. omnivorous reader. I'm right, wide open in in children's, um, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get a lot of variety um, and a lot of fancy. Yep. So it's, I'm not clear on the genre. It's sort of trying to do a lot of things. And uh, the main character is 20. Um, so I'm not really sure that that fits. Um it also comps some titles that made me go, really? Why are you comping this? Um, you know, it's saying that it wants to reach Twilight readers. And uh, that sort of says to me, you're not really aware of the market. Your story isn't going to fit somewhere where someone's going to want to buy it, know how to market it, know how to support it. Um, and also... <laughs> It's, it's too long, um, and it has too many familiar fantasy elements. Um, you know, the story has it, – it just, tr- I think, is trying to do too much. Um, it's trying to encompass all things. And these are all things that we've seen before, and it doesn't have a new take on that. And yet Twilight's the comp. Well, I think it's, you know, this author is saying that they want to reach the audience of Twilight, not that the book is like Twilight, but I'm sort of, it makes me wonder, are you aware of what the audience of Mm -hmm. Twilight is? Because, you know, they've grown up, they've grown up and, and a lot of, what are they doing now? That would be a fun piece. (laughs) But I mean, like new readers to Twilight, they're like, you know, preteens and teens and they're not reading about a 20 year old and they're not reading something that's adult or, or new adult. Mm -hmm. Um, so it just shows me you're not really aware of yourself. So do you think vampires are coming back from the dead? If you're doing something that is fresh, different, totally unique on, on a genre, or a type of trope that's been done before, as long as your take is 100% new, then that's something I'd be interested in seeing. So I wouldn't say like 100% no vampires, but like think about how many books on vampires there are out there. And if you're not doing something different, then I don't really want to see it. I don't think they're coming back. A lot of people have said on Twitter, like, oh, I'm calling it paranormal's coming back. I wondered if they just wanted to be on record as calling it first. I wasn't sure. I haven't gotten the sense that vampires specifically are coming back. I think witches are really big. Oh, I want some and witches. I love witches. And I think that they're really fun because you can do a lot of like feminist stuff yes. with witches. Um, yes. And feminism is something I'm 100% looking for. And it's very timely. And I hope it always will be timely because it's 
one of my prime interests. Um, so ladies with superpowers, I'm into that. I almost feel like it's, this is a terrible way of putting it because I like the strong female character until it became the capital strong female character. Right. And now I feel like this is almost strong female character 2.0 because she's got powers. Yeah. And she's coming to take down all the problems in the world that we need to, uh, she's coming to right all the wrongs. Right. We don't want someone who's like perfect female character. We want someone with nuance and, uh, it's cool when they have powers and that gives them an advantage over their enemies, but we want someone who's complicated and trying to do good and someone we can identify with. Um, I've talked about this a little bit on Twitter. Like one of my most popular tweets ever was, um, about how I'm lo- I love strong female characters. I love kick-ass. I love superpowers. I love when they're strong and they know how to fight. But I also think strength is something that comes from attitude. It comes from overcoming obstacles. And you don't have to be physically strong to be a strong female character. You have to be multidimensional. You have to be well-developed. You have to have clear goals and inner strength that you're trying to achieve. I want the strong female character who, even if her powers are taken away, can get herself out of a bad situation. Yeah, exactly. All right. Query nine is a great letter. <laughs> wow, good. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice when you find them. Wait, two requests out of ten? That's amazing. I yeah. I think that like the more specific I am about what I want, the better letters I got. I've I've tended mm-hmm. to find like after I tweet, I get a lot like a run of good submissions and that's then, awesome. Yeah. Um so this one is another DV pit. Mm-hmm. So I saw the pitch on Twitter. I liked it. Um, it's own voices, um, female protagonist. Uh, it, it has, again, a lot of the things that I'm looking for. It has sports. Uh, it has fandom. Uh, the, the main character is involved in like a cute fandom sort of romance and there is um the the setup of her obstacles are very clear um and i just it was really well written this letter so i would 100 percent request yay yay again you have to tell us if that works out i know i was smiling while i was reading it so that was i heard you laughed yeah yeah no it's got it's a very cute setup it's like a rom-com with sports and fandom these are like all things that i'm interested in and it's so all sports or some sports all sports i like i'm someone who grew up watching 90s inspirational sports movies like the sandlot and the big green and um oh my god there's so many others there's a, a little giants i love those movies i love them so much and i just want people to send me books i also played sports i played varsity soccer i still play soccer when I'm healthy. And, um, so that's something I'm interested in. Um, I love, I would love to get like a dance book, like dance Academy esque or, you know, like a soccer, hockey, football, baseball, whatever. All right. We have reached query 10. Um, so this one is a well-written letter. Um, it has good personalization. It has good plot summary. However, um, so it's a YA urban fantasy about a character who finds out she's part of a secret magical order of protectors. Um, that is a plot that I have seen thousands of times. I mean, that is just been done. It's been done over and over and over and over again. And like I said before, I'm not against something that has been done before, but it has to have a fresh take. And from this letter, I'm not getting that. Um, so even though 
the letter is well written. It, she followed directions. It has, you know, all the elements it needs. It's just not a topic that I'm interested in representing because I feel like it's oversaturated. And I'm looking for something new, something unique. I think people underestimate uh, how many times we see the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And they can't really know unless they're in our inbox. And it's not like it would be ethical to give them our login information so they could see. Yeah. Uh, I remember there was one period of time where even synesthesia came up over and over and over. It still keeps coming up in my my inbox. Like people who see emotions as colors or shapes. That is like it. It happens. It happens. It happens. Um, and that's so rare in the yeah, population. And yeah. Yet it's probably more common in our inbox than it is in the population. It's, I think it's probably a fascinating, you know, syndrome to have, but it's not fascinating the millionth time you see it. Um, and if you're going to do it, you have to do it in a way that hasn't been published before. Mm-hmm. And how many things, I mean, I think most writers worry about being the only person writing something. I don't think they need to worry about that. I think they need to worry about doing it in a way that doesn't feel like it's the millionth time you've seen something. Right. Like you can write about a creature like vampires that we've seen before, but, you know, maybe they like do it like banicula where they suck, they suck water out of vegetables. You know what I mean? Like it has to be like something so different. Um, you know, that's just like one example, but no, no, no. I love that example. I met him a couple of years ago at a reading and he drew a picture in the first page yeah. of the book. I was like the only he's, adult there. It was very awkward. I worked for Amy Burkauer, who's his agent and he's really nice. He's so nice. Yeah. And he drew like this beautiful bunny and it was like crutch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, those books are so cute. And like, they, they are a very fresh take on an old topic. Um, <laughs> that's like the first example that popped into my head, but like, you know, uh, a person discovers that they're part of like, you know, they have powers and they're part of like an ages old organization. Fine. But do it new, do it fresh. I think someone from Hollywood said that you want a new twist on something familiar. Yeah. And that's the formula that doesn't freak out the sales team, but editorials on board too. Yeah. Yeah. You, and you know, it's, it's hard to sell things into an oversaturated market. Um, we want to get excited about a new idea. Um, I, I also feel like, uh, something that comes up a lot is like setting, like if you're setting it in the same place where a story has been set a million times before, like I'm seeing still a lot of like Western fantasy that takes place in like a world similar to medieval Europe. And if you're going to do that, fine, but it has to be a medieval Europe, like nothing we've ever seen before. Um, but more than that, I'm looking for fantasy set in worlds that haven't necessarily been explored as much. Um, like children of blood and bone made such a huge splash because it was so, it was such a different setting and, and also because it was own voices and, and it's a great book, but, um, you know, something like that where it's traditional fantasy done slightly differently and it can make such a big splash. Samantha, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. We are so glad that you joined us. And as always, we appreciate your feedback. Just head on over to the iTunes store and let us know what you think. It not only helps us make this podcast be the best it can be, but it also affects our ratings within the iTunes platform. We'd love to hear from you. If you're feeling brave and want to submit your page for our first pages podcast, you can send it to academy at manuscriptwishlist.com with first pages podcast in the subject line. 
We'd also just love to hear from you. And if you'd like to learn more about the Manuscript Academy and everything we have to offer, just jump on over to manuscriptacademy.com.